You're listening to Three, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Three, a podcast where three filmmakers get together to discuss movies. Join us as we dive in to figure out how these movies work and what they can teach us about the art of filmmaking. Whether you are a filmmaker yourself or you just love to nerd out on the art of cinema, we invite you to take this journey with us. This is a film discussion by filmmakers. Today we are discussing the movie Incendies, directed by Denny Villeneuve and based on the play by Waji Muawad. Please be sure that you've watched the movie before listening any further because this is sure to be full of spoilers. Now let's get into it on three. Dude, Quibi's in trouble. Oh, Quibi, really? They getting sued? Have, have you heard about this? I just read about this. There's only been like three million or something subscribers to Quibi and it the number's not going up very much and people are oh financial trouble well yeah well i guess the whole thing is that right now because of covid19 this is the perfect time to launch an online platform online platforms are booming because everyone's at home watching shows uh but quibi did a mobile only uh, platform so you can't put it on your tv right you can't even like cast it to your tv it's only for your phones. I didn't. I was wondering that when I was looking into it. I was wondering if that's. I, I did it on my phone and it was like so worked yeah. so well. I was like, oh, how would this work on a TV? I'm, I'm sure you could probably figure out a way of like screen sharing your phone or something, but there's probably a workaround. But from what I'm reading, Quibi's in trouble because it was supposed to be like this massive thing, and so the CEO of Quibi's coming out saying that it's totally due to coronavirus and. So they're they're rapidly trying to get like a TV platform or at least the ability to cast your Quibi app onto your TV. It seems like such an over, uh, funny oversight for them, like just to not to have the option, like in the age of Google Chrome and casting. And like I know it's like, oh, quick bite on the subway. They got that in their head, but it's weird that they were so attached to it. They didn't even think about watching a movie on your TV. Something. Yeah, and I I don't think they were really reading the times very well, especially since, you know, with coronavirus, people are kind of wanting to watch content on their TV because they're home. People aren't on the go anymore. Like the whole point of Quibi is that you can watch it on your phone, on a, on a train or on a bus or on, right. on your way yeah. to work or right. in the bathroom. But right now, everyone is home. Like it, it's just kind of like the dumbest thing not to have some sort of a TV app or or at least the ability to cast from your phone to the tv it was just kind of like probably bad planning but anyways i'm pretty sure they're in trouble so when you said they were in trouble at first it's funny how i immediately thought like oh what did their ceo do (laughs) like like, did he get like outed or like i don't know get canceled or something but i was like oh yeah financial trouble that's a thing to do (laughs) you grew grew up in uh, the religious community (laughs) i can tell and, and me too Why? culture. What did the pastor do wrong this time? <laughs> I feel like it's the whole world right now. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So it's Quibi's true. dead. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Quibi's what? dead, but I know that they're uh, in in trouble. I called it so from the beginning. Zero. I know it. <laughs> did, did you call it? No. Okay. I, I wanted to call it, but I didn't want to act like I knew what I was talking about. Well. It, you still could be wrong, and then you're really wrong. Oh yeah, like being sure. the guy okay. that's like Netflix okay. will be won't be anything. 
Netflix yeah, will never Netflix. amount to anything. People love going to the theater too much. People love popcorn. Uh, well, let me just hold on. Let me since we're talking about this, let me just. I found this article from Vanity Fair, and it says like eight reasons why Quibi might not be working, and it's too many rules um, because they're designed exclusively for iPhones and Androids. So you watch it in your spare moments and on the fly. Um, but the notion of on the flies and tatters because of coronavirus. Uh, number two, there's too many barriers to entry. Quibi was intended to be viewed only on an iPhone and Android. There were no provisions for Apple TV or Google Chromecast or smart TVs at launch, which is kind of the first point. Anyways, <laughs> there's no way to share. <laughs> Although Quibi designers, it's designed its streamer to be watched on phones. It also walled off the app from the rest of the internet. Almost as soon as it launched, viewers and critics expressed shock at the inability to screenshot or share Quibi content. Um, it's a high-end YouTube, a contradiction in terms. It's too small for the times. Because of the economic meltdown, nobody's buying it. Uh, it's adults only, is that right? Um, so there's no kid content. So children, children weren't included in the planning of Quibi, which is, I mean, the whole thing, it's for young people. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. Children are the future. Why wouldn't you plan for the future? Mistake number one, guys. Yeah, it seems like a problematic for the platform. Like you can't, like with Netflix, they make their own stuff, but that wasn't that at the beginning that. But with Quibi, they must have to produce well, their no, own even show. With Quibi, like, like, can you get distribution mm-hmm. through Quibi? Like it'd be so, can their software's keyframe yeah. everything? Whoa. I'm, but I'm pretty sure that they actually invested money into Quibi shows. Right. That's what I assumed. So, yeah, but nothing for kids. And then the last one is that there's no breakout show, kind of like when Disney launched, there was The Mandalorian. And when Netflix launched, it was like Orange is the New Black or House of Cards. or So, anyways, that's what that article is saying. But I just thought we'd open up with that because we've been talking about Quibi a little bit over the last couple weeks. Yeah, pretty crazy. Big, big risk. These guys, yeah. short form contents, dead folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> we can rest easy now, hey? <laughs> no worries. I, I feel like that well phrase tonight. is going to come out so many times tonight. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> you can't screenshot on any platform. That's a funny critique of it. You can't screenshot on Netflix. Oh, Criterion. no, no. You can on Amazon Prime. Prime? They haven't got it yet. That technology no, alone because, even impresses me. Like, how do they just not let you do yeah. that? Like, how do they figure I that looked out? it up because I, I'm always trying to screenshot. I'm sure you do the same, Caleb. You, you try to screenshot shots you like, right? Yeah. Like throw in a reference library or something. Are you in that? It's uh, always annoying when it's beta... a shot deck. Shot deck. Yeah. Are you part of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's sick. That's pretty dope. I am too. I haven't used it. I really haven't either. I'm a yeah. member. Your member, yeah, it's that's cool. It's, yeah, it's a cool idea. It's crazy how quality the stills are. They pull on it too. I'm pretty sure Will, William, that project that you and I are working on, um, one of the the shooters just um, posted like a bunch of stuff from Shot Deck. Oh, okay. So all those like concept stuff is from Shot Deck. I'm I'm almost positive. Yeah, that's cool. It's cool. It's a cool app. Yeah, I feel like they should have more stills, honestly, from some movie. Like it's like a shit ton from like La La Land or whatever you know it's not right every movie yeah yeah I, I get that it's work <laughs> well yeah i can't see that's what I'm, I'm yeah i'm like who is submitting to this especially now that you couldn't right. screenshot off any of these platforms where are they getting 
their stuff, I guess from DVD or whatever. It's not like you can screenshot a movie that you like and just throw it on Shot Deck to try and be a contributor because no one will let you screenshot. But they're not screenshots. They're like high-res pulls from... Probably like screenshotting from like... You could probably screenshot from like clips on YouTube or like the trailers and stuff. It's probably yeah. a good place to start. I mean, I mean, maybe Shot Deck's in trouble too because of this. You heard it here Shot first, Deck's folks. dead. <laughs> Shot Deck is dead. <laughs> He's dead too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. That's amazing. But the DP who created Shot Deck wants to wants to make it into like something you'd pay subscription based for like production people, which he has like a whole plan. So it's kind of cool to get in now. Yeah. I wonder if you get grandfathered in. I hope so. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it'd be cool to see it just as it goes and then you're already in. That's why that's why I sign up for all this stuff is cuz I I just don't want to lose out if like something gets grandfathered in. I don't think of I've never been a part of a beta before, I don't think. Really? I'm trying to think. No, not really. They're the best. What other, what other betas have you guys been a part of? Um, I was a part of the Rider Celtics betas, Rider Duet betas. Oh. Wow. Uh, a few like Rider scheduling software be betas. So we- and anything like, you know, our production company is kind of on the edge of trying to use like, what do you call it? Like open source software. And so we were like researching and finding a whole bunch of stuff that we could use. So. It kind of tested out a, a bunch of everything. So I've got <laughs> accounts with so right, a ton of development companies. So, so so do you have full set you have full Celtics right now? I'm sure I do. Yeah. I'm I mean I haven't signed in in a while because I'm I'm using a different platform right now just to be able to share with some other people. What what script writing platform are you using? This is interesting for someone listening. Yeah, right now I'm using Writer Duet. Um, Writer Duet, okay. Now I got into Writer Duet before it was kind of subscription based. Before it was cool. So I'm grant I'm grandfathered in and they're slowly taking away little bits and pieces of like what I can actually do with it. But, um, you know, right now I can have up to like five feature scripts on there and share with other people. So I've been doing, I've been using writer duet for a little while just because like, I like to have a bouncing board in my writing sessions. So I always have like a writing partner or a co-writer and usually we all have our laptops open and as I'm writing, they can see it on their computer in real time, and then they can jump in and write. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, pretty, it's a pretty cool program. I don't think that it's the best writing software, screenwriting software. I much prefer Final Draft or Celtics. But um, Celtics, you have to pay for the subscription. I know. Well, the funny thing that I never realized was I thought you can only have three. They say you have three projects or whatever, four projects that you get for free. But within each project, you can have unlimited scripts. So I wrote four scripts on it. I was yeah. like, oh, now I got to pay. And a friend is like, no, just go into one of your other projects and just like have a project be feature filmed and you can have like as many as you want. That's another little life yeah. hack. That I, I, just, I was like really bummed on Celtics before because I was like, oh, I don't want to pay. I don't, so Caleb, you use Celtics as well? Well, I was Celtics. using Celtics and then I didn't want to pay. And so I started writing a script I'm working on right now. I got like a, a Google uh, Drive plugin, which is kind of cool uh that's kind of cool so yeah. it didn't like interesting hey send that to me i'd love to yeah, test it out. yeah yeah it's 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 more limited because i mean it's pretty straight like for straightforward scripts it works good but i found do you know how in uh script writing you can do like like compete dialogue at the exact same like if someone's talking over each mm-hmm. other i can't f- yeah. figure out how to do that in this google drive plugin but in self mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, like i love the idea of being able to write like people's talking over each other like so you can visually see it but there's two ways to do that type of overlapping dialogue 
you can do it horizontally like that, or you could also do it vertically. Do you have the Hollywood standard? What? I like, think they're on their like second edition. You should you should get the Hollywood standard because it's literally just like a reference book that tells you how to do that. That would be super helpful because like, I was. Or horizontal. It's, it's just it's a book. book, you know, uh, like it's kind of like one of those reference books. Yeah. I always buy a new Hollywood standard every other year. It's just a reference book. That's if I need, if I have to think about oh, how do I do this in a script, I run over to the Hollywood standard and I look it up. It's like an encyclopedia of how to write. It's all script formatting stuff. So I do. I would run to that book all the time when I was working in your office, Jason. Super helpful. Does it's it, so it's so good. Does it have like so it's examples? Called the Hollywood Standard. Okay. Yeah, it does. It has examples. So the Hollywood Standard, the complete authoritative guide to script format. It's by Christopher Riley. I mean, you can get it at like any major like bookstore or retailer. I searched it on Amazon um, to buy it. It's not on there for Prime, but Save the Cat comes up, which is pretty hilarious. There's similar <laughs> similar vein. Is it not? It's it's on Amazon. But Amazon Canada might be, you know, it's uh, hard up here with all, this, all the snow and like all the ice. Right. And, and the sled dog deliveries. Yeah. like yeah. They just, And right now with coronavirus, the sled dogs actually, they don't know if they have caught, busy they caught the disease. Delivering. But there's, there's, there's word going around that maybe all our sled dogs have coronavirus. So we're, we're, we're kind of. Well, I heard that the ones that were healthy are busy. Um delivering beaver pelts and right. uh uh maple syrup <laughs> for sure yeah they, they are doing that and and that i mean we have there's special dogs for that because those are such staples right so yeah. if you, people yeah. people so are getting that maple daily. syrup's definitely on prime Ma- oh. yeah. Ma- yeah. maple syrup's on the hourly deliveries right yeah maple syrup actually is drone delivery <laughs> technology man all you need in canada are maple syrup and pierogies am i right and rogies yeah crazy i want to plug my writing software guys i don't write as much as you but hey don't leave me out of this you're in it dude sorry i don't know okay william what would you like to promote as your writing software no (laughs) i use all right ready caleb you should try this (laughs) so i'm building up oh uh, i i use writer solo It's the same company. It's Writer Duet's cloudless cousin, quote unquote. So, but it's for the, free for, the for the lonely guy. <laughs> yeah, it's actually awesome though. Because do you have no it's... friends to collaborate with? Are you not in need for Writer Duo? <laughs> Try Writer Solo. <laughs> do you hate the collaborative process? Exactly. You want no more... feedback on your script? <laughs> I think it's more like, do you only write like once a month for like ten minutes? <laughs> Right. Here's a free <laughs> script writing software that's actually amazing. That's so good. Well, it's the same thing. It's like a great program. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like I'm looking at it right now. So well, no, I just it sounded like Caleb wasn't down to play pay for Celtics. So I thought oh I, just... I can I can get this one and not pay for it. Uh, search writer solo because I don't know how long if they're running yeah. that program, but I think looks like it. I'm lonely, so this works. This works great. <laughs> I've been impressed with it, guys. Okay, I'm so not... I think that you can still do collaborators with Writer Solo. They just can't. They can't write. They can only read. Okay, it's actually just like a desktop app. I think you can do it online too, but you just save yeah. to your iCloud or Google Drive or Dropbox. Or yeah, it looks super computer. like minimal. Like it doesn't look like it has much extra. Like it looks super easy right. to use. The dialogue at the top. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it character. is. Huh. Yep. And this is this is the same. 
it's writer duet. And it's yeah, but I think program, I think I like I think just... William's program's better is better suggestion. Yeah, yeah, than yours. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't know what the Hollywood standard is, so your opinion is very low at this point. Uh, okay. <laughs> fair. Fair. I'll take that. Um, what do you? Okay. Here's a script. Here's a script writing question I have. So I'm writing a script right now that I, I plan to shoot. Um, I've read online that you don't put super detailed shots in scripts. I don't remember what the, the but if you're planning to shoot it, you do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm like, it's just, it's just not going to someone else. Jason's giving me the middle finger. He doesn't want detailed shots in his scripts. Let's talk about this. This is interesting. Cause I have no opinion on this. I'm just like trying to think if I have an idea in my head in that, but when I'm writing, you, I want to put it. Somewhere. Are you planning on shooting all by yourself? Like nobody else? collaborating with yeah, you I'm gonna, like, it's like on a, the day it's like a webcam kind of a piece like it's i'm the actor too and uh i'm really have no one to collaborate with so no what one is man this rated? It, dude. <laughs> i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> um no i do plan to, like i don't know what i plan i'm just kind of like at this stage i'm, I'm if i have an idea well i'm like in my head if the image is coming to me and i'm seeing it because i've been shooting for so long I kind of simultaneously see shots while I'm writing dialogue or while I'm writing scenes. So I just was throwing them in there. Um, and then I was, I said it to my friend and he was yeah. kind of like, that's, this feels unnecessary. I don't need to know this stuff. I'm like, that's fair, but I just don't know. Like, what do you guys think? If you're collaborating with any, like, let's say you have a crew of more than one, you should never put shot, like shot directions in your script. Like, are you using Celtics? I might, I'm going to switch He's now. Using I'm using writer this, solo. No, I'm using, I'm using this Google Drive like plugin. That's how I've been using. Oh right, right, okay. Like if you have shots, write them in the notes. Like there's uh like the sticky notes on Celtics. Uh, I'm not sure what it's called for. So when you print, yeah, it's called a when no- you note. break them off into sides like a day of those notes just come printed as well. Or what? Where do the notes end up living physically? No, they don't. They're a separate um, thing. You have to like kind of on the day when I'm printing stuff, I have my script and then I have. I have a facing page. So like I actually have all of my director's notes or shot direction on the, the, the facing page, the, the page that faces the script. Right. So on, and it kind of like equals whatever's happening in the script. So, um, mm, that's interesting. I do that personally, but the, the reason why you don't want to put shot description is because if it's a collaborative process at all, what you tend to do is like like um, nail yourself into no other possibilities. Like so you you can have that in your head. That's awesome. But if you want someone to read it with fresh eyes, yeah, that, that could sense. have better possibilities than even your ideas. Unlikely, but then you don't want to just like p- pigeonhole them into one frame of thinking. So um, hmm. I I find that. And, and plus it's distracting with, with other crew members. It's only useful for, for me. And I've had screenwriters actually encourage me. I love talking to screenwriters because I don't find that I'm necessarily a screenwriter naturally. It's like a discipline that I'm really trying to get into. And I'm a, I'm a decent writer. But everyone says if you can't describe it and people can't see what you're seeing in your head, then you're not writing it well. Well, well that's so oh. – but that's and such so, a – hmm. You you almost have to like read because the uh, scripts are the interpret. key to script is keeping it pretty simple, not too worry. Also, I would say for like, but you I guess well, you're communicating a feel. What if, what is happening on screen? Yes. like what is 
what are we seeing? So you're not saying what the character feels. You're telling us what the character is doing and the way and the emphasis that you do that can bring us in closer, like almost like a dolly shot, but you'd never say, and we dolly in, you know, Mm. or we crane through the trees up and away, looking up into the sky, you know, like we, we should feel that emotion. We should feel where it's going without having to give this the screen direction. Yeah. Screen direction is just for you, you know? That makes sense. I can't think of who off the top of my head, but I've read some scripts from directors who are pretty descriptive like that. I think some yeah, some work some, like some, that for sure. Some do. You mean descriptive technically or descriptive do, like emotionally? Well, like shots. Shots. Shot. Okay, yeah, shots. Yeah, shots. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wish I could remember who does it because I've seen it discussed before too, but I, I'm guessing it's like something they maybe start doing over time once... Well, like a, like Tarantino status, he can write whatever he wants mm-hmm. on a page. It doesn't. He doesn't care the du- who the Duplass who brothers. I think write it in, and they don't care. Okay. Like they're just like we don't care. But they're also they're collaborating with each other, and really, I'm sure they collaborate with other people. But you know what I mean. Like unless you get to that status, I, it's a good practice not to have them in there. Well, especially for like feedback, just, I I think it could just get right. I think yeah, y- you get. Yeah, I guess get cumbersome for feedback from people that maybe are more layman or maybe not as familiar with even reading a script and they have all these technical stuff in it. I could see it just being annoying. Yeah, writing a script yeah. clearly is, is is extremely challenging in a weird way. Like I've read scripts from friends that like in their head it makes so much sense and there's so many things you can miss if you're not. Like the skill set of writing a script that people just read and they understand what's going on is definitely mysterious to me. Like I, I can write a script and yeah. like, get my ideas out there but as soon as i send it to people things get lost in translation which is really interesting like i don't know where the the breakdown happens but it seems to happen frequently i don't know um i mean william and i haven't received our copy of your script so yeah you're talking about friends well it's it's so the the, the film is about okay basically there's a a pizza guy and he comes to the, the door and there's there's a girl and she can't pay for the pizza and so um, they say they have to come to some, more, some sort of agreement to uh, to for maybe services rendered instead of m- money. That um, should okay. No matter what, this is bullshit, isn't it? No, that, that's <laughs> like face. a porn. That's a that's a classic porn setup. Yeah, and uh, it should be called services rendered. Services rendered. What did I say? Oh, that's what the the movie. Should be. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll send you a script in due time. Don't worry. I would love to see your your guys' script. I'm also waiting for your short film. Okay, I'm also waiting for your. Features. I want you've, to see. You've seen so many of my features, scripts, and movies. This is totally unfair. Come on. I could send it to you right now, but I'm missing a couple shots because they got missed in coloring. Send them to me, anyways. Even Caleb, if I know it's shots. not going to be as good as Mother, anyway, so it it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. Or the square. You're right. I need to watch Mother a couple more times. All right, this is a different episode. What's your short film called? My, we're, we're discussing it right now. Oh my <laughs> on god! On three podcasts, <laughs> just destroy it. We should do one on 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 the umbrella and just like talk about it and like the scenes and what was learned what? and all that kind of stuff. Would that be? God. Is that something interesting or no? Oh, that'd be horrible. Once we make a big time, we will. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe the the right project. I'm in. I'm in next movie. Okay, guys. So incendies. Yeah. Okay, I'll try it in French. I'll try it in French. Incendie. <laughs> So bad. All right, Livy, get me, give me your best French. Incendie, incendie, incendies. I can't do it. Well, it's from Quebec, so it's more like uh, incendie. I don't know. Incendie, incendie, incendie. 
All right, well, Incendies, plot summary, coming in hot. Maywall, a dying Middle Eastern woman living in Montreal, leaves separate letters to her twin children to be read once she passes away. Jean is to deliver hers to the father the twins never knew, and Simon is to give his to the brother they never knew they had. The siblings travel to the Middle East separately, where they each experience acts of brutality, uncover a startling family mystery, and have revelations about themselves. Based on a play by Waji Muawad. I just had to throw that in there. Hmm, it's that's interesting. Important, based on a play. Yeah, based on a play. Is the play the same like exact story? I don't know. Is it the same story? I don't think so. There's an article I want to bring up later uh, from the Los Angeles Times where they interviewed Denny about this movie. And I learned from that that he saw the play, which is like a four-hour ordeal, and he wanted to make a movie about it, so he just asked the screenwriters, or the playwright, I guess you'd call him, straight up, and he was like, well, prove it that you could, like, make this and do it justice, and he wrote the opening scene hmm. and sent it to him, and he was like, all right, you can do it. Okay, fine. I'll allow all right, it. Fine. I'm, I'm always surprised when movies come from theater, like you think about Moonlight, or... Because when I'm watching movies, I wonder, I always immediately assume it came just straight out of someone's head, but I, the longer I talk about movies and hear about them, you realize lots of times it's references to short stories or novels or, well, novels is kind of obvious, but plays seem to yeah. be a common starting point for lots of movies, which is interesting. Right. Definitely. I would have I would have never guessed this was from a play, though. No way. It doesn't feel like it. Like Hateful Eight no, feels like, like a play. This doesn't. Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight feels like a play. Yeah. That's sure. the first thing that came to my head. Yeah. Mm. For sure. Yeah. So first impressions, uh, Caleb, how about you start? Uh, my first impressions was, I mean, it was a good, it's sad. It's really a heartbreaking movie. It's like just heavy, the life experience that you, you know, it's not a stretch that this is true to life. And there's like kind of just seeing some of the scenes like the bus stop scene or not the bus stop, but the bus scene and stuff like that. And just, it's just crazy what humans have lived through and continue to live through to me. I love the way it looked. Mm -hmm. the, the performances were wild. I was expecting it to be fully in Montreal. I just had, I know nothing about this movie going in. It's, it's come up in conversation so many times. I just have never gave it a shot or watched it. Going in, I had immense trust in it because everything else this guy does is just solid as solid comes. So yeah, it was great. I actually think it's one of my favorite movies that I've seen by this director, which is strange to say because he's humongous now. But you can see why. You can totally see why he is who he is now. To pull this off, I'm almost more impressed with pulling this off than him pulling off, not well, Blade Runner almost. Or, you know, or like some of his other huge movies. But I'd love to talk about if you guys yeah. don't have any insights into how they shot this or how they even pulled this off. It's crazy to me. But yeah, loved it. But I think I'm sitting at a, a four out of five. Willing to change, but that's where I'm at. Nice. Cool. Jason, dude. Um, I think I think for me, um, I got to be completely honest with you. I thought this movie was so long and boring. First of all, like, I was a little bit tired this afternoon and reading subtitles. Like, I, I just got to be alert for it, you know? And so when I was reading this, it just felt stretched out, long, and boring until... I got to like the last 10 or 15 minutes and it like totally turned around everything for me. And I know that's weird because I i don't think I've ever had this type of a reaction before. Like I just thought it wasn't going anywhere. And then I realized in the last 10 minutes that it was going somewhere. And I was like, oh man, oh, something's about to happen. Oh, something's about to happen. You know, like 
So I kind of fell in love with it in the last 10 minutes. It was very, it was good. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, but I, I do have to be completely honest and say like at the beginning, I'm not sure if it was just like that. I felt like they were telling a bunch of unfinished stories. And I, I think one of the things was that I thought that maybe I was missing something in the subtitles. So I was like reading, I was like, wait, I kept rewinding and going, did I miss something? But really what they were doing was only telling half of the story because they kind of tell the conclusion of a bunch of stories at the very end of the movie. But I thought it was a mistake and I thought that I was missing something in the subtitles. I'm like, well, I, I missed something, you know? Um, so I think maybe some of my frustration could have been born out of that. Um, but yeah, really didn't like it until the very end and then ended up loving it. Like I just could not understand why such a, such a stoic mother who didn't necessarily express love to her children, um, would send them on this journey or keep them on the journey. So I, I struggled with that, like story matter, um, the whole movie, but in the end, I really loved it. It's really weird. It was a complete redemptive moment for me towards the end. So I'm going to give this a four out of five as well. Cause in the wow. end I was a fan, but like we were going into it with like a 1.5. <laughs> right or two wow yeah i don't think i've ever had that happen to me before honestly. i've never i've never had that happen to me in a movie but but i did realize especially in the second half of the movie i felt myself like leaning in like knowing there's more information right. it was this mystery that just kept unraveling itself you know so mm. um i enjoyed it so and i can only say that because the last cool. 10 or 15 minutes what about you william yeah man what a ride i i was I was actually really intrigued from the start and it kept me throughout. I, I still am trying to figure out the best words to describe Denny's like style. I've used the word thoughtful a lot, but it, it's something that, that there's like something woven into his work that's so it it's like subtle, but it's deep at the same time. And there's always like and I love his visual language. So like right from the beginning, this his he knows when to use dialogue to say something and when not to, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and I just love that. And um, lately I've been really drawn to like intriguing setups, like going into a movie and when the whole story is kind of being set up, well, if it's like a really good setup, I'm like really drawn to it. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for this ride. And I just loved the idea of like, oh yeah, like these kids, their mom dies. They go to her will reading and they get two letters telling them to go to <laughs> one, their father who they thought died many, many years ago. And two, to a brother they didn't know existed. Like, just that as a setup is so good. I'm like, yeah, tell me the rest mm -hmm. of the story, right? Yeah. From there, I was just doing the same thing, kind of leaning forward the whole for the whole rest of the movie and along for the ride. But, man, that big twist in the end threw me <laughs> off guard so bad <laughs> that I honestly was like, what's happening? And I, I was, like, shocked, and I didn't know what to think of the movie right. anymore. I was so into it and so ready to be like, come out of it being like i love this movie so much definitely five stars uh -huh. and the twist just i was like kind of speechless and i've been just thinking about it speechless in a in a good in a good way or in a, yeah it, the way you're setting yeah, it up more seems like, like you loved it and then the the twist brought down what you thought of it am i misunderstanding it or is that what you mean it didn't bring it anywhere it just kind of left me at this hanging at this place where i was like i don't know it was mm. so not pretty and in my head, I was thinking, oh, it could go this way, it could go this way, it could go this way. Like, there's so many places it can go. So the way it went, when it hit that big twist, I was just like so out of left field that I 
I just couldn't really like, yeah. Because the twist is so, is something that's so like culturally kind of hard to grasp, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Do you think so, that it kind of wrapped it up too nicely in the end? I like how it wrapped it up because it, sure. I, I think I liked what it was trying to say with it all. But it's such like a weird punch to throw in that I'm like, wait, wait, is this the same movie I was just watching? <laughs> like, that's what it made me feel like. And so yeah. I loved like the themes I've been digging out of it as since I've been processing it. I love, love, love like how well crafted it's been. But I don't know. I'm excited to kind of work through this big twist with you guys and see like your interpretations and, and figure out like. Man, is it something I really, really like? Uh, I'm I'm not a four out of five, but it could go either way. Really, like, are we all fours? Yeah, I guess so. Crazy, the new norm. I can't agree with each other all the time. Like, I need to fight someone. I feel like we're just picking solid movies. I don't know. I just feel yeah. like we're not like because it's not like okay, what's the newest thing to come out? And we're like pulling back on our heads. What was the things we meant to watch over the years? what floats up into our heads are pretty like movies that have stood up or that have come up in conversation enough times. Mm-hmm. I think we're just kind of on a train right yeah. now of watching like movies that are almost a sure bet of being something worth watching. So where to start, where to start? I feel like I'm tempted to start at the turn of the movie, but I don't know. Is that what we want to do? Know. Is that how we want to well, go? Well, let's start? start at the opening shot. Let's stop. Start at the opening shot. what do you guys think? I found the, the opening shot. I found the opening shot. And whenever the music came in, interesting. It felt very music video, which is yeah, like breaking the wall, the music, the slow-mo. Like, especially because I think now there's been so much shaving of heads in music videos the past few years. Like, it's like the ultimate, like, if you're trying to make something edgy, you just shave someone's head. And then it was like a Radiohead song, I believe, right? Yeah. It, I was, yeah, Radiohead. I, I liked that it started that way. I was like, oh, it's very music video-esque to do this. And then when the song kept coming in, I appreciated the song more and more. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a it was good. I don't know. Interesting. I, I kind of got some. Now that you say that, I totally see that. I kind of got just like National Geographic vibes. Like, hmm. you know what I mean? Like, just felt like we were coming in on this war torn country. Like, I I thought it was good. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was bad or super good. It was just kind of like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't yeah. super impressed by yeah. it. I like the, the, the blocking of people, like the layers of faces into the back of a head and the kids are kind of Oh, big up. time. Yeah, I'm, I'm always a big yeah. fan of that currently, but yeah. What do you think of it, Will? You, you're the one bringing it up. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like interesting, really interesting. I thought it was, a, it was an amazing way to start the movie, but I felt like it was very much like it's Denny, you know? And I felt like from the bat, I was like, I think I was expecting this film to be like on the verge of, him becoming who he is today or something or figuring out his style. Like, I know it's not his first feature, but I still underestimated it going in. So to see like mm-hmm. such a strong opening sequence, it was, it kind of caught me off guard. I know what you're saying. There, where yeah, I, was, I oh, didn't okay. know where in his career this was. Yeah, I agree. Right. I just love like strong opening sequences. I think I said that on a, on a good time podcast too, but or the episode, yeah. but it feels like they could not be setting up anything with this, but they are, you know, like obviously they show the sh- his foot with the tattoos and that like death stare of like anger he's giving to the camera. It's like totally tied into the story, like deeply from the start. I, I had a notebook out with me because I had no idea what the story was going and it was helping me like if I was wondering, okay, what does this mean? Like, what's the mom's promise that she didn't break? Like, I was kind of writing out things as 
the movie went on. I remember when he looked in the camera, I was like immediately just felt like I did this to him. It was a, I didn't know, I had no idea where the movie was going, but that like breaking the wall, looking yeah. right in the camera, just felt like it was saying that I'm sort of responsible for whatever situation this kid is in. Which I don't think the movie went that oh, way, or yeah. it wasn't trying to say that. But it was funny that that choice made me feel like, uh, yeah. Yeah. That. yeah, definitely a strong opening image. I'm embarrassed to admit I thought I was so clever when I when the camera was pushing in and he was like staring at the camera. I was like, that's a girl. <laughs> You've been watching too much Star Wars, buddy. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Isn't is not there a I, plot twist in the Star Wars story that's like a, a girl pretending to be a boy? What am I thinking of? Is this Star Wars? What is the movie I'm thinking Game of? Game of Thrones, maybe? I don't know. I thought it was Star Wars. Where someone like passed for a girl for a time. I actually don't know my Star Wars, so yeah. I shouldn't even said that. Okay. Either way, I, I thought that's what it was going to be. And I thought, oh, I'm figuring it out right from the start. This is a girl pretending to be a boy so she can survive. <laughs> it would have been, <laughs> been insane if you story. actually called the movie. <laughs> <laughs> if oh my you, gosh. If I you mean... called the twist in that opening shot, I would have been very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's so layered. You, you could... Okay, I would give the, someone money. The guy is a girl. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> that he's gonna That's come out turn. with it in a tweet tomorrow. <laughs> so where do we go next after the opening shot? We went straight into the lawyer's office where the will is being read. That that whole yeah, scenario. it literally mm-hmm. cuts. Well, we went straight. straight to him praying, or him just had his eyes closed, like you know, looking at the oh, files. Even, yeah. yeah. Well, we go into there. Yeah, he, there's some weird tension. They don't like. Obviously, the the mom was a little bit of a loose cannon. Of sorts. There's like, they're like not down for, they say like something, can she do anything normal? I forget what they say, but there's not down for her antics by this point, especially the son. Yeah. I think that that character, Mr. LaBelle was kind of like, now that you bring this up, he was kind of like a God or a guide type character for them throughout for sure. Obviously. Well, okay. So, you know, do you guys understand like, so he was the executor of the estate. So he was left in charge of actually seeing that her wishes were carried out, which is usually done by a family member. It's not usually done by. So the the lawyer would usually read the will and assign the executor based on what the will's requests are. So he said that I argued with her and I told her that it wouldn't be a good idea for me to be the executor, but she insisted. So I think that's what that whole bedside chat was about of him being the executor, the executor of the will. And so he was kind of like responsible okay. to help them accomplish what was what was actually the purpose yeah. of the will. Okay. Right. And that makes sense. To I... make sure they went through this story because she was saying, bury me face down with nothing. Like you can't properly grieve until this is completed, which is interesting. I think I just got a very different painting of a, a picture of who this woman was at first. Like she was a little bit over dramatic. She like it seemed like she cared more about herself than her kids. So I got her all wrong, you know, off the bat because I was going off of like the attitude of her kids. And I just remember how bad like Simon was acting when he just wanted to skip the whole process. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I'm like, what happened? She must have been very like a very absent mother. And now she's trying to make up for it in her death. I kind of understand a lot more now walking through her life. It took me getting to the end of the movie to go like, oh, that makes so much sense. But at first I felt like the whole movie was lacking motivation. 
Really? That's um, interesting. You would think I, I guess I just assumed. Like you thought she was yeah. so despicable well, that I mean, why would they go and figure that out? Because it had very, like the letters are super clear motivation. But not the not that she was despicable, but that there wasn't enough for them to follow the lawyer's instructions without having to be convinced. So I was like, the relationship must have been that bad with this mom who seemed to be overly dramatic, so dramatic that this guy didn't want to have anything to do with this dramatic storyline that he wasn't going to be involved in it, you know? And so I guess I painted the, the mom in a different light, you know, from the, from the beginning, you know, I think that she maybe was very stoic and, and, and held her kids at an arm's length, which is so unfair to them. But once you understand why, you know, and those letters were so well written in the end, but I guess we'll get to the ending later. We won't go too far into that yet. Something I pulled in the in the opening scene when they're reading the letters is she writes to her kids, to Jean and Simon, childhood is a knife stuck in your throat. It can't easily be removed. I just love that quote so much. Clearly, there's been childhood issues. And it's so true. Like, those aren't easily removed. Like, you grow up and you have all these issues because you don't even, and you don't even know where they come from. And like, it takes kind of, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work to get those knives out. Listen, I, I wonder if right at the beginning that she was prepping her kids for forgiveness, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, talking about childhood and, and, and there's just things that are, are too hard to understand. Like almost like saying like this, I know that you're going to figure out that your dad is also your brother and that he raped her like he didn't know like it feels like she's almost already trying to prompt them towards forgiveness even though she knows that they don't know yet well i think for sure i think that's the whole purpose of her writing these letters and doing it this way so intentionally because i think she learned such a huge lesson in it when she found out I don't know. I think this was just the best way she could think of to like, like they had to go and re revisit her childhood because she was like on her deathbed and she was going out. She didn't have a lot of time to go and do all that. You know, the only way to like really get them to understand is to like send them on the journey to relive her childhood and relive her life and, and kind of get to the end. You know what I mean? Otherwise you're left hanging like me (laughs) when the twist happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting they didn't show what she was like. Like that was interesting. Like I mean, maybe that's just the way the play was structured. But for the mom to start, they have the scene at the pool, which they circle back to later, which makes sense. But they didn't yeah. like I, you know in a movie if you, like, you show whatever if it was like some kind of abuse or neglect or whatever it was, and you show one poignant scene and then the person dies, and then like, okay, like I know the context of who this person was. I guess it was a good choice. They didn't. You didn't know what what she was like. I don't like know if she was just crazy or like she was mean or if or right. she, I don't nothing about her. And maybe that yeah. was the same yeah. reality of the children. They knew nothing about her mom. That makes sense. For whatever reason, the son was wanted nothing to do with her, but there was still something that the daughter had that made her more likely to go on the journey and then eventually convince her brother, which is what was his name. I'm so bad at character names. Simon, I think. Simon. 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 Yeah, Simon. Uh, this reminds me too, because I I thought Jean was kind of the main character, but I, I was browsing a little bit, a couple of Reddit posts on this film, and a lot of people were, were saying the mom is the main character, actually, which you saying that kind of just reminded me of that, because I was like, yeah, if she, if she is like really the main character of the story, that's a weird way to set it up for sure. Like, 
not knowing anything about her and figuring it out as it goes, kind of like that. Yeah, like not. But like, I guess it's all. They didn't show us the bad and then be like, "Hey, this is why she is the way she is." They just didn't give us that because that was like the meat of going through her life, right? Right. Yeah. Right. But they they could they could have still showed it. Like they didn't demonstrate what she was like in Canada in Montreal. At the, at the end of her life, they didn't demonstrate how what how she shaped up to be. That I, unless I missed it. Well, they demonstrated it like as a reflection through her kids, and then that one scene when she went catatonic. I was so confused at first when it kept bouncing between storylines because they look so similar. I didn't know. I at first I was like, okay, wait. She, I I just couldn't. I wasn't paying a ton of attention at the beginning, and at the pool I was kind of like mixed up. I didn't know like who was living through it at first. It wasn't clear to me because they were so familiar. They looked so similar. That was yeah. one of my questions was because uh, like usually in a, in a movie, there's some sort of a visual cue that tells you that you're going to the past. And I know that could be super cheesy. You know what I mean? But usually it's like something is different about the way that they color the scene or contrast it yeah. or whatever. But this, that wasn't the case. And the fact that the mom's character looked a lot like the daughter's character, especially when their heads were wrapped. I was just like, wait, are we in a past day or are we in a present day? Like I was having a hard time following as well. Do you guys, but, do you guys know anything about the history of what this is referencing at all? It's not based off of any direct event in history. So the war that's happening in the movie is, they, they said it kind of maybe is like the Lebanese war. I, I think that's what it's called, mm-hmm. the Lebanese war. Yeah. But it's not directly like, and they, they never say it and they never really tell you, or maybe there's location names in the film, but. There were the big headers, I think, those big red texts, but they didn't have much. They talk about Israel and they talk about yeah. But either way, it's not like it's not like hey, this is based. It's not like Cold War where it's like hey, there here's a story paralleling this real war that happened. Okay, well, I, I, I it, it very well could have been, but I'm so I don't know ignorant to what. No, right, right. The history I didn't of that know part of the world that I was like maybe this is Same. you know with the right super right extremist Christians and what was going on between the two beliefs it was like, okay, is this, this a thing like kind of like the Zionists or something? Yeah. I wasn't sure what was going on. Yeah. It was a very interesting balance of they, it was very, you didn't know what was happening. You didn't know where it was going. And I could see how that would be that coupled with subtitles would be a little bit alienating, you know, whereas I guess if you were a French speaker, maybe it would, you'd have a different experience. But yeah, I think with subtitles, we're always kind of nervous. You can't look down at your phone. You got to be subtitles keep you accountable to really dig into a movie because you can't kind of listen to it in the background, think about something else. You got to be like in it, which is a really good thing. But I could see it getting jumbled for sure. Like it was for me. I was, but it had enough where it was going somewhere. I'm like, okay, this is this is gonna pay off. Like they're gonna do something. Eventually, you picked up on like the structure and and all that, right? Like you started following. Yeah, you kind of you kind of catch up to it. Yeah. Um, something. I but you have to catch up. (laughs) Yeah, which I mean is perfect for the story. Like it's that's the best way to withhold and put us in the shoes of the kids, for sure. Like I, that's mm, genius. Yeah, like they didn't know anything about their mom. You have to be a smart person. You have to be a smart audience. We have to be guys. smart. We have to be smart like a book. You're right. <laughs> I found it interesting <laughs> though. We know a lot. A uh, good time week. We were talking with them filming on the street. Like that must have been what they were up to with this movie. That's why I'm so curious about them pulling it off. Like I'm curious about. Because it didn't feel, there was the scene where the mom went to, like there was the, the scenes that were paralleling of the mom leaving her home, like getting kicked out. And then there was the daughter, it was confu- kind of confusing, but she was in the city. 
and people were like beaming the camera. I could tell they were like in a city and people did not, it wasn't mm-hmm. a close set at right. all. And then some of like the other like yeah. villages and I can tell like they like, you know, they could do the bus and they could do some of the houses and get the rubble, but they were working with found locations a lot of the time, which I was just curious if they, you know, had any crazy run-ins or crazy production stories because it just seems like a recipe for that, you know? Yeah, I didn't You've done uh, a lot of behind the scenes or EPK and so you're always thinking like, what's the story behind this? Like it didn't feel like, you know, in movies where it's some California desert and they just do a cheesy, <laughs> oh, this is now the Middle East. It was definitely not that. Right. It really felt yeah. like wherever it was. Yeah. I I loved that birth scene so much. I mean, I mean that beginning of her life scene that was so heartbreaking, but that birth scene was done so well in my opinion. Like the whole thing mm. was lit by a flashlight, and, but they did it in a way that was no way. Like, well, well like that was the motivation for the light, you know. I'm not saying that's actually how they lit it. I'm sure they had some right like, okay. trick. I loved it because in the story it makes sense like they're trying to be very low key with this childbirth, so they're not they're not going to just like blast lights on and light candles everywhere. You know, it's like just one flashlight. And because they're trying to keep it low key, it made that whole scene very like mysterious and ominous. And like the, the, the lady who we don't even know who took, takes the baby and like runs off. Like even she's just like all in silhouette because of the way they lit it. And you like see her kind of throughout the scene, but you don't know what she's up to or why she's there. Right. And right, I don't know. Right. There's something about that scene specifically, like, then he just pulls these scenes out in his visual language and is just like, oh man, there's just something to it that I can't describe, but I just... Okay, so everyone loves Denis Villeneuve and you say like you can get it from his visual language. You know, yeah. obviously you you know, okay, you, you know what Wes Anderson's up to. You know what Tarantino's right, up to. Right. You know what like some of these like super, uh, or these super, what do you call them? Like their own world directors are doing. He's definitely more realistic. What would you say is a characteristic characteristic of him? What are like the key hints? I think I'm trying to like process that. I'm trying to like figure mm. out like to put a language to what he's up to in his movies because there's things that stick out to me that I've just fallen in love with, like this scene. And there's another just, it's a super quick shot and I can't stop thinking about it. But when these two guys, they're, uh, what's the guy's name? Chem Sadin was the, like the, leader dude he sends two guys to get simon from the hotel after he has tea and they like come up to his room and they're standing outside his room he opens the door and he knows right away like okay i gotta go with these guys there's a shot of them walking out of the elevator through the lobby and out the door and there's these uh metal detectors or like security what do you call those like yeah yeah, metal metal detector things when they walk out of them they go off like they beep it's like a scene of the guys walking out of a building but he's like moving the plot forward and building suspense and like clearly right. like the way I would have written it, the way I would have shot it was they show up to the guy's door and reveal their guns by pulling out their suits, right? And being like, yeah, we that have was guns. a genius reveal Come with of us. like they're armed, you know, who are these people? Where are they taking Right. Them? He goes and, through. Un- and it feels like, and, yeah, that was good. yeah. Like, I was like yeah. where did that idea come from? Because it's. It's almost it's like almost feels genius, but then it's too simple for it to be genius, right? It's like. Oh, it's just a way to establish like that these guys have guns, and and there's something so subtle to it, right? It's like it, 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 like I believed that in that world there would be like security systems set up in place at some point. Like th- this was a war torn country, 
wherever they were yeah. living. Who knows? Well, and, and, these guys, and the fact you know, that the guard didn't even bat an eye, like he knew who these people were, what they were up to, set up a lot as well, you know? Yeah, I like the style of this movie because it was... It wasn't flashy in any way. Like it, like the scenes, especially in Jordan and things like that, weren't overly. I don't know. There was lots of wide shots, like the full, you know, the full person is walking in, like walking around. Like it wasn't crazy, over the top in any way. Like I feel like I see he did Sicario, right? Yeah, it was Villeneuve, right? Yeah, Villeneuve. Yeah. But like you can see the tone of like single source, lots of window. Like the the way like light was shaped in this movie, you can see that same tone in this. I can see it. I can't compare it to same, whatever Blade Runner, sure. but I can compare it to some of his other stuff where I can feel that it's almost like they. It feels like they didn't use any lights. That's like the way he. It feels. Yeah. You know yeah. that surprised me a lot too because knowing being more familiar with his work since he started working with Deacons, I was expecting this to look way different. But honestly it looked pretty similar or had that similar tone, like you were saying to like Sicario. And it kind of struck me as like, okay, how much of this is actually Denis, you know, kind of well, coming this in is pre Deacons, right? Uh, yeah. Like, oh, I don't know actually, I guess I should look mm-hmm. that up. Cause I just assumed because it was, kind yeah, of the- I assumed too. And that I had that exact same thought. I'd be like, Whoa, he has a tone that he was able to communicate to Roger Deacons. It wasn't Deacons and him making this collaborative thing. If it is that way, that case, I don't know. Yeah. If Deacon shot it, it's a different conversation. But yeah, this was uh, cinematographer Andre Turpin. Uh, so poor guy, I, I hey, like he that... just, he shoots it and then his boy blows up and switches to Deacons. <laughs> but I'm just gonna switch Deacons. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, you got me here. Got me so far, but uh, I'm gonna have to go with Deacons. <laughs> I'm gonna have to move. Hey, to uh, hey, he's still shooting features all ever since. So that's cool. So anyways, yeah, uh, there's something about Denny's tone or visuals, visual storytelling he brings that I just, I fall in love with. I well, eat it up. Yeah, I do too, because I, I love that you like the way that you refer to his first name is like an old friend. My old pal, Denis. <laughs> My old pal, Denis. <laughs> Dennis. We go way back to since I saw <laughs> Dennis. My old you pal, know? Dennis. All right. Story time. De- Dennis I called him Dennis. <laughs> I called him Dennis for a while, for probably a couple years of getting into him. Uh, Jason, I was working on a feature, your feature film, and our, my my AC was from Quebec. She taught me that it was Denis. She taught me how to say it. Wait, like so that's like the French pronunciation of it, or that's how he pronounces it? I, I think it's the... Well, she was like familiar with him because he like came from her area. So she was like, hey, it's Denis Villeneuve. All right. I was like, ah, oh, I, I need like, more culture in my life. Just, can we just take like a quick second and remember that whenever she was like pulling focus for you, like if she was ever like just slightly soft or whatever, because we're in the middle of a shot, you would just quickly blow on her hand because <laughs> your face was so close to the rig. You'd be like, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then she'd address the focus. Just trying to get her attention. It was, yeah, yeah. It was so much fun to watch every once in a while. He's just got the rig up close to his face. And then all of a sudden you just see him go <laughs> blow on her hand. That's on the follow focus. It was the funniest thing, man. Yeah, so it was good. it was the best way to communicate. And, and, you know, she taught me how to say Denis Villeneuve, my pal, my pal. Denis. Yeah, he does have a language of a way of approaching because like Sicario is a movie that 
I wouldn't normally be drawn to. Like I wouldn't normally like the the kind of story that Sicario is, but he does bring such a human element to like a a cartel story that he does have a way of like this movie was superhuman, not superhuman, but like mm-hmm. it was a very human story. And ever since he's kind of made yeah. movies that aren't necessarily don't need to be done in a superhuman way, but he always does make yeah. you feel like personal or like I don't know, mm-hmm. low key or uh, yeah, no, for sure yeah. he does that. That's why like uh blade runner and arrival were so successful in my opinion is because he took sci-fi and made it his own like still told the stories in his way he wasn't like oh i'm I'm gonna take this sci-fi project and make it a sci-fi project you know like typical yeah arrival like it blew me away arrival i was messed up that night that i watched i think you were there actually because it was kind of in the middle of filming uh the last feature it would have been obviously years ago and i'm pretty sure you and your wife and like a bunch of people were in the office and we watched it and then i went home depressed and then i walked out into the field behind my house for hours thinking like wow my life is meaningless like i need to make movies you know because it was so one of those moments what made you depressed no it wasn't that it was so good it was that he i well i liked arrival but it was just I don't know. He brought such a strong, uh, he's, he brought such a strength to a very subtle story. I don't know how to describe it. It's the same. I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't have a lot of words to describe his style. Right. We're trying to unpack like, this. I, I love it. Uh, I love it. Right. But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but there's something crazy. Like I, it, it's goes back to like this idea of like universal art because if you think of all these projects we're saying, like Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner, even this film, like we all have something about them. Like I, I honestly like all of them, at least like them, and I love a lot mm-hmm. of them. And I actually am surprised, like, at how many people love all of these movies. But they're all so different, right? Like, yeah, it's not, it it goes it goes beyond a genre. They're all such different genres, even of movies. Totally, you're absolutely right. Right. Yeah. Like it's not like he started here and then you oh. He keeps kind of talking about these themes or these kind of characters. It's yeah. He just is on this well, ride where he I brings think he always tone. keeps the story central. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. But it's 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 funny how like I guess that's the goal of all directors to keep it central. But he he does it in a way where you know it's him, but you don't really know it's him. Like it's not like I'm like oh okay I know who this is who did this. He's like he doesn't have a huge hand like handprint on it or fingerprint on it, but in a way. When I think back to all these movies, like whatever he, whatever genre he touches, I can see his hand in it, and I don't know how to board it. And even with it, I don't think that he's gimmicky at all. I I think that yeah, that some of the other directors that we've mentioned can tend to slide towards the side of gimmicky. He's not like uh, I don't know. He just does uh, things okay. in measure. Yeah, I, this is a good time to bring this up because I thought that this I thought by watching Incendies and the reason I wanted to discuss it was to figure him out more. And honestly, I'm left with, oh, I got to go further back. But I read this article briefly, Los Angeles Times put out as Incendies was kind of being released. They did an interview with Denny and I just took a screenshot of some of this. So he was 43 when he made this, which I actually was pretty surprised to learn. Like I thought he was a lot younger. Well, because he's he's treated, he's treated... People treat him like an underdog, but he's one of those guys that his story is encouraging because he's done before he found huge success. 
he's done some movies, right? Like how many movies has he? How, what's, mm-hmm. how many features has this guy done? At th- at this point, I think he he's done three or four before Incendies. And and Polytechnique was one he did before Incendies that actually kind of he had already gained traction with. Like it was well done. And then there was another one called Maelstrom that was pretty well done, I guess. Yeah, he has like mm-hmm. he has like Polytechnique, Next Floor, Maelstrom. Dude, this dude has done so many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is his eighth feature, and that was his breakout feature. Yeah, it's so encouraging. Isn't that encouraging? There's something about his because you he's an underdog, but he's like you know it's that long game. Like he is a he's he's the story of the long game. A guy who's kept making it, and then a, you know not everyone's gonna end up at that that successful. I think he's a, unusually successful, but he put his work in, which is cool to read or to see. Exactly, you know? and yeah. and listen to this because this is. This is even more encouraging from this article. It says Villeneuve made Incendies and Polytechnique back to back after a long break during which he stopped making movies, spent time with his wife and three children, and reinvented himself as a filmmaker. This mm. involved a lot of reading, thinking, and therapy. He's, this is a quote from him. I stopped because I realized I had a big problem with screenwriting. I was not good, Villeneuve says laughing. I was not able to express an idea the right way with an image, and I was afraid of actors. I didn't understand that kind of animal. It was a huge process, Villeneuve continues. With filmmaking, your worst enemy is yourself, so you have to understand yourself, and you have to make a long introspection trip, and it was the best trip I ever made. Mm -hmm. I want to know everything that he went through in those years where he wasn't working. Exactly. I just want that. I want a a book. Of that time like yeah I, it's like the success is whatever now and the, the pre is part of that too but up to like you know the breakout movies like what that makes so much sense that like that self-awareness or that self-confidence or that because mm-hmm. you're saying there's no gimmicks and i think that in the times where i'm the most insecure i i want gimmicks or i want to find what's my gimmick because you don't think that you know just doing yeah. it without a gimmick or without like or just make it human. I'm like, well, fuck, I don't know. That's hard to do, <laughs> you know? So when someone... It's hard to... makes sense that his had the self-confidence, the self... Weird. It's, it's one of those things that, like, I've I've struggled with in the past where people ask me if, if I figured out what my style is. And I know what they're asking. I know that they're asking, like, what's your visual style like Lars von Trier? Or what's your visual style like, you know name that director but it's usually like what is the gimmick that's kind of like your calling card and i'm like i'm not old enough to even know what a style is yet <laughs> like i'm just trying to make really good stories and that's got to be a natural process i can't just put everyone in plaid and then say that that's my thing it's it's a process of discovery so it's encouraging to hear that this guy is like i'm gonna take a step back for a few years and figure some stuff out with my family you know, that's encouraging. Like just the, that living, that living is, has like, it's a funny thing where you, in the rush of the career thinking or in, in the, when I get in this, like the fearful, like, am I going to make it headspace, which we all, yeah. we all yeah. get into. The it's last so thing I'd ever want to do is no, like go be with your family. Like go to like, go learn about yourself. Like go oh, spend time, yeah, like, yeah. take a break. I'm like, cause I'm so like, even to say that like scares me. I'm like, no, I just gotta like do it, do it, do it. That, when to hear that, it's weird that filmmaking it, it makes it feel like filmmaking is an extension of life more than just a race to get something good. You know? And to kind of like hear that he 
took this break and then came out swinging his strongest what is so cool it's like yeah. he experienced life a little bit and came back refreshed and like more with more vision than ever but i totally get what you're saying caleb like i've ca- been caught in this trap and i work with people who are like we don't we don't take trip we don't plan vacations because if they if you leave town and you get a call and you have to say no right their fear is that this person won't call you back. They're going to find someone else to, to replace you. And then you lost that client. So you lost tough. that contact. And oh. that's a real thing. I do. I deal with it like here and there. Like I'm trying. To, it's something I'm trying to get better with and being like, no, screw that. I'm going to take a vacation and have time for myself. We view ourselves kind of like these productivity machines that it's either in you or not in you. And you just got to be productive until the right thing happens, you know, and and yeah. with that view it's yeah. it's like to leave something or to take a step back is is terrifying yeah it's actually really encouraging because uh caleb you don't actually know this um so i'm like for people who are listening i'm developing a feature script i'm writing it right now i've been a director my entire career and um yesterday i just sidestepped the director's position i gave it away whoa so like because and they asked me specifically why and I said, because I feel like at this point in my career, I have to learn something. There's something I'm missing. Sorry. I have to learn it. So I'm going to, I'm going to produce the movie. Dude, this is an amazing conversation. It was really, it was, was it, super. Let's talk about it, this. Cause like what led to that? I had like a, a month ago, I was like, I was, I, I was working on one of my last features and I was kind of not satisfied with what I was getting super happy with what we got under the circumstances, but like that's that excuse isn't really working with me personally anymore. Mm. And there's I'm, I'm realizing that there's so much more that I have to learn. And um, I was just walking around. I often like walk around my neighborhood. I can't I can't go to bed without like trying to think some things through. And um, otherwise, I'm just tossing and turning all night. So I was walking around in my neighborhood and I was just thinking about like my career and where I'm headed and I, I am a writer, I'm a developer, I'm a producer, no matter what, as much as I hate the producing game, I end up having to do it anyway. So um, I was like, man, it would be great to observe a director that is stronger in areas that I'm not, that I could observe and still be a part of the process, you know? And so mm. I had a really, really tough conversation with the other guys that are, are producing this movie with me. And, um, basically just said, listen, before I came into the process with the two of you, I had decided that I was willing to sidestep and give up the director's chair for this movie. Now that, you know, lots of conversations have been going on over the last couple of months. I kind of talked to William about it like a month ago and said, like, what do you think about this? You know, and, and I was like, am I just being insecure or is this like a good thing? Do I need to step back? But I really feel deep inside that I was meant to just step back for a season and observe the directing process from the outside. I've been doing it for so long. So like listening to this conversation and hearing what he did, I'm just like, man, I feel like I did make the the right, like the right decision. One of the other guys is going to be directing the project. Well, dude, that's, that's a huge, that's a, I, I admire that courage to make that choice. Like with, like with ego. And I think we all struggle with ego, but, I mean that's yeah that's brave in a different kind of way. It's terrifying. Yeah, I I don't think they could see as I was describing it like little tears were popping out of my eyes because it's been my thing for so long. Well, it's like part it's of your like, identity, right? It is it's like that's what happens. Is it's there's a 
there's a pride thing by saying that you're the director. Like I, sure. I know I could say I'm the producer, but it's like the director. I even told them, I was like, you know, if you, we have, if we get into any festivals and they ask like, what was your creative vision as a director? Like that, that to me is like, there's a pride thing associated with the fact that I can actually give that answer wholeheartedly. And now I've just like handed that position over to somebody else, but I actually feel really good about it. Like, I feel like I'm going to learn a ton and I feel like I'm going to, come back I, I straight up told them i said listen i'm a director i'm going to continue being a director for the rest of my life but for this mm. project which is probably the biggest my my most favorite project i've ever worked on i just gave away the director's chair that's you know, so. so crazy i'm not saying that's like a self-sacrificing no thing. it doesn't feel like that at all i'm saying that i i have something to learn and i don't exactly know what that is yet but i feel like i'm going to learn it in the next season that's like a big picture yeah. mentality. That's like what you have to return to as a filmmaker, you know, that like it's a long life. And then there's, there's, you know, I often think about that, like even lately of being really confused if I'm a cinematographer or director or what, what's going on. Like, I don't know what's up with me. And like think the, th- the yeah. thought of, I want to make a feature. Like I really want to make a feature right now. But I'm like, would I get someone who's a better cinematographer than me to shoot it? I was like, I've been yeah. having this thought of like, that's I'm scared to do that. Like I'm scared to, but part of me wants to release that or to have that attitude of like, you know what? No, like, and also if you're looking at what you got in your last feature and not satisfied with it, I could totally see the temptation of going like, no, fuck it. Like, no, that's not me. Like, let me double down. Like, no, I'm going to show you what I can do on this next one, you know? Mm -hmm. And then to be able to step back and be like, you know, I'm not going to do that. That's inspiring, man. I don't know. There's something about like the background of where your your production company, the con the context wasn't right to do that, or it wasn't didn't give you the ability to do that. It gave you the other opportunities, but you weren't often yeah often. I think you were viewed as like the leader or like the the director to learn from. Whereas when you get viewed that way, it's, right. it's hard to like remain a student. You can, but I think it's yeah. it's hard in a different way. But like when you you're basically signed yourself up to become a student again, which is powerful Mm -hmm. i mean respect Mm. actually uh you know uh, this this whole conversation started you called me one night and you're like you said some stuff about your production company that really interested me and we were talking about it so i was kind of talking about the possibility of me sidestepping as a director back then i just didn't tell you well you were you were a bit because i was so insecure about it yeah yeah, I was super cryptic about it. And you were like, mm-hmm. so you're telling me that it wasn't just about you directing? And I'm like, no, like, that's what I'm talking about right now. Because, like, I'm I'm thinking that it's this project is need. I need to learn something. This is I want to be a student on this, you know, so. Mm. um, But it's been yeah. a, it's been a really cool process. And then, like, what yesterday was the meeting where I finally just said, Listen, I actually don't think that I'm the right person for this. I think that you should direct, you know, like, and we, we talked it through. And the person who is directing is so stoked, like, and so worthy and super talented and so attentive to detail and highly critical yet has those personal skills. So this person's never, never directed a feature before. And I said, wow, I'll, I'll even be that set. I'll be, pro- I'll be producing and I will be a resource. Like I'm probably going to first AD the project. Um, so I'll be around. And I just told him, I said, I'll keep my mouth shut as much as you want. You know, as oh. much as you want to talk, you come talk to me. If you need to know the way, like we'll keep talking about how to direct 
features and so i'll be a resource and it's gonna be a small crew anyways but um mm. yeah just gotta kind of take that sidestep take a step back and keep my mouth shut when i'm so used to like giving my opinion on something <laughs> so totally um, or being yeah like yeah it's gonna, identity be, it's gonna be a cool process crazy. identity of like labels and titles and like it's a it's a funny thing in filmmaking where so many fights come over people people are so obsessed with titles in this industry where like i think it's mm-hmm. it's it's it, stupid it's such a weird thing where it's like it's not like don't figure out what you're good at figure out what you think a gives you an identity that you're proud of you know that's why everyone battles over right. cinematography yeah. they battle over they don't we don't really want to look at ourselves critically and be like okay hey, for this project what is how can i serve it the best we want to like figure out what right label we can identify with that makes us feel how we want to feel and then we want to do yeah. that i'm not saying we always need to give up the project that doesn't make any sense but i just like even for in this sure. talk it's like yeah. it's funny our language of like i need to take a step back i need to like you know but it's like i don't like that language is not the truth. It's like if it's a full life career, that language is not helpful. It's like this is not a step mm. back. It's a step forward. But it's so yeah. It's just so funny how identity is it's so definitely woven an identity into thing. It's, yeah, totally. Yeah. And there's something about I mean, I've directed all the f- yeah. features I've pioneered, I've directed. And so this is the first project that I'm not gonna be in the director's chair. But I think that I spent the last month in mourning and trying to work that out. And now I'm actually like excited, like, okay, like I can get, I can produce this. I could produce this because it's the only thing that I have to worry about. I don't have to worry about all the other creative aspects. I just have to make sure that that person is worrying about it, the director, you know. And you'll be able to step back and see yourself through him. Like you'll see like the moments of insecurity, the moments of like him not trusting himself. And there'll be probably conversations on the car yeah. ride where you can just give that little kick of being like, hey, man, just trust your gut tomorrow or whatever those conversations are. Exactly. And then you, and in exactly. a way, you'll be talking to yourself in a different kind of way. That's so yeah. wild. That's This really is going to cool. be an emotional. I think this is just going to be an emotional process, honestly. Yeah. So, oh, I love but the ex- return. I'm excited about it. Yeah, crazy. Because he does. Yeah, Danny Villeneuve feels like just like there's a confidence or a, there's not ego in his work. And he's. He's the one of the biggest yeah. dogs in the world right now. Like him, like the role mm-hmm. he's on, like even he's gonna do Dune next, right? Like he's the responsibility he's giving to like Dune was basically a flop, <laughs> in a for lack of a better word. But everyone has always wanted Dune. Like craziest following. People love that movie. Even people love the first movie. Like David Lynch saying that movie was kind of like a mistake or whatever it was. Like, yeah. And then for him, he's the big dog, but he doesn't feel like I root for him, even though he's yeah. the big boy, mm-hmm. you know? In the way he creates, and the way he, I don't, and I don't watch any interviews. I don't know anything about his personal life. I mean, that's what a cool discussion about, you know, what William brought up in this article. Like, yeah. All of us are like having these epiphany moments just from our, our pal Denny. He's a real true leader, right? <laughs> yeah. Our <laughs> bud, our buddy. <laughs> um, so, Nawal, when like her whole journey, is super heartbreaking and i think when we got to that last scene the pool scene i think i was like what's going on and like she's staring at someone's feet and i'm like i don't don't understand what's happening here and then she like looks up seeing the tattoo on the back of his foot like that for me like i felt like i went through the entire movie and went that made sense and that made sense and that Mm. made sense it took a second for me to untie it and unpack it but i literally felt like all the empathy started flooding in Mm. as soon as that scene happened 
And I was, I was sitting in my chair here in my room and I literally like leaned forward and I was just like, oh my God. Cause I, I, I went out to go to the bathroom earlier and I went and said something to, uh, I, I went and said like, oh, man, this movie's like dragging, you know? Um, but all of a sudden it was so worth it. Like it, it was a great movie, but it hit me right at the end there. Um, anyways, I just, I just thought it was kind of brilliant from a story perspective. I don't usually like that everything gets wrapped up in the last couple. Yeah, minutes. I was like, gonna say that. Yeah, and it's because of this, and because of this, and because of this. Like, so I didn't. I don't usually like it, but he does it so well where it works. It fits together like a puzzle piece, like a letter already coming together. You know, <laughs> because that's the whole thing. Yeah. Is that the letter? It was the letter didn't almost need to be there. It could have been a story of you know someone just going and finding also about their their you know their parent. The letter is like, okay. You kind of know, right? They, they do. They can wrap it up in a way that wasn't too convenient. Because that's always me. Whenever things like a mystery, they, they just check the boxes, like tidy everything up. Yeah, I get a little bit like, oh, don't yeah. do that. But I guess it that literally was for those characters. What was happening, and it, it didn't feel like they were tidying yeah. up for me. They were. It was just the characters were tidying it up. Like they were. They were clicking. Like the scene where he says one plus one equals one. That oh. scene. Yeah, and she goes <gasps> and gasp. It actually scared me, and I was like, and I was like, that was like, yeah. boom, like come to attention, like. And I googled. Well, were you trying Incendies? to like figure it out I at the same know. time? Yeah, at that moment, I googled one plus one incendies, and then I, I, I didn't think they were gonna fully tidy that up, and I was like, oh no, I can't miss the meaning of this. So I went and figured it out in that moment. The movie did tidy it up, but like that scene, shocked me back into it for sure. Just that gasp. Yeah. Just, what so what does that mean? I, don't, I, I what I didn't even get it. There was like there's this idea with math throughout it, but there was a scene where it was like one plus one, like the brother and the dad equals the same thing, it equals the one person. That's what they were getting at. It was like the whole idea of like who the the dad and the brother are the same person. But there was a scene earlier where the mathematician person she goes to meet makes some comment to her about a similar yeah. kind of number thing. I should go figure that out. But yeah, something about God, right? Yeah, what it's was like that crazy, scene? Crazy math guy. Uh, I'd have to read. I can't remember. Well, they're talking about like the type of theoretical math that she was doing. But, but he doesn't say anything about one plus one equals one in that scene, does he? I don't think ridiculous. so. Okay, good. But he says something crazy like something plus something or whatever. This equation equals to God or something like that. And I just took it as like, he's okay, this dude's crazy. She's not getting anywhere with him. <laughs> That's probably what was going but on. But also tying yeah. into kind of her whole like character the math thing of her, which made this one plus one thing brilliant. But I felt like because the scene before it, it kind of leaves it a little bit ambiguous, like, okay, there, there was a rapist totally. and there was her son. They're not the same people. We know that. That's well, they, what we, someone said of, that, like it was a different name. And then you're like, okay, yeah. different person. We're going to figure it out. You know? Yeah. 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 Chem Sedin says that. And then it goes to the one plus one equals one scene. So then I, I'm like, it's kind of cool because for me, I was like trying to figure this out too at the same time. And even when she gasped, I didn't fully grasp it. Same. I was like, wait, is this real? Is this real? And yeah. I was like going on for the next like two minutes. Like, I think maybe they finally like hit yeah, it home totally. yeah. <laughs> eventually. But I was like, I was trying to figure out what one plus one is. <laughs> I was like, Turns yeah. out it's one, guys. <laughs> 
turns oh out. Oh my gosh! Well, like the whole like the 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 whole exposition about her working on equations that didn't have outcomes; they had more problems that came up. You know, and and oh. that I really loved how they set that up at the beginning of the movie to make the the ending scene with that line to work perfectly. You know, so yeah, and it was yeah. This that I love the like the idea of those two separate letters for the same person. You know, that was such an interesting way to do that. There's yeah. like this, like this non-binary, not like, you know, like she didn't view her son as a black and white thing or love as a black and white thing. It's like, yeah, you, you guys were born, if you guys were born like out of what your grandfather, well, no, your, yeah, mm-hmm. fuck. I don't even know what to how you say that but i know it's so yeah like that your father was born out of love so therefore you guys were born out of love even though you weren't yeah right which that's kind of like the theme i started to grasp eventually is that what she's trying to say is she couldn't fully love her kids because they were born out of rape because she Mm -hmm. had all this anger in her but because she Mm -hmm. vowed in the birth scene that to love her son and to find him one day that once she found out it was her son that raped her. It was like that love had to transfer, forgive, take away the anger, and then and then she could finally be freed to love her children, right? Like that's kind of Yeah. That's like the theme, right? They were going after. Because that's what it's mm-hmm. it's like such a weird situation. So I'm like trying to uh, I've been trying to unpack it, but yeah. It, it's but, like love is transferred. Yeah. That love and forgiveness is like transferred through her son raping her, which is just like so it's and also and also love for her son like it you know yeah like, yeah, like, yeah. It, she, like she was i can see the anger of the mom because it was she didn't voluntarily give up the child you know it wasn't it was whatever the yeah. belief system of the village she was in she was forced to he was then forced to go whatever got trained up like it wasn't her fault but it was like the hate for the system that created the son but then she did did love the twins yeah it's it's yeah it's pretty it's such a weird way to deliver wild. that message but it works <laughs> well, i don't sorry what were the message delivering is like that like well i i mean she brings up like nothing means more than being together in that final letter it's just funny to do that write that knowing it's in your will and and withhold that yeah withhold that intentionally from your kids until you're not there and then to be talking about being together is is a very weird painting of right. it's just such deep trauma that it wasn't possible to do that during well, life or she didn't know she didn't really know about that it was the father slash brother until she saw him at the pool and then she went catatonic so that's what i was trying to figure out with the flashbacks did she never recover from that pool scene or was that just later no on i life? think that's like, what it is i think that's what that's what happened like that's what broke it broke her because she remember he turned around she saw his face right then she clicked but yeah, no. but at this point, it's too late to. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about just send them on the journey because that's gonna be the easiest way for them to get right. it fully. Definitely. That's where I get hung up, honestly, is because I'm like, with the twist comes this weird, like, what is it trying to say? And and that's like the best I got is that love <laughs> can transfer through. I don't know, <laughs> all this love transferring through rape thing. It's it's like weird, but it there's something there. I just can't grasp it all the way. I'm still hung up on it, honestly. Well, it's kind of like well, there think, was, it was both I like think, it's like duality of like 
hardship and love at the same time happening. Or what are you gonna say, Jason? Well, no, I, 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 doubt, I think that if you could even talk about like, like her life was about deep regrets, right? She, she desperately regretted having left her son, you know, or given him up for adoption, you know, so that she went back to try to find him. Yeah, and so she lived with deep regrets, and then she also was a murderer. You know, she was kind of like a terrorist because she murdered that that politician. Um, and so I think that she understood that her life was filled with things that she regretted and her path took like various turns because of her circumstances. And so even though she had experienced the most hardship that other people had put upon her, that she could forgive that and she could even understand that that and i think that's what the letters were about you know um it was redemption for her i don't think i was i was bummed that she wasn't more of a mother to her twins but knowing the the heartache and the pain that she had gone through with the rape and being tortured and being imprisoned and her long journey and losing a child and losing her boyfriend, like all that stuff that she had faced. Like I, I get it and I understand it. So like that makes sense to me, but um, I think it's more about like, I think it's about forgiveness and her understanding that redemption is possible and regret is definitely something that will is like a really big killing factor in your life. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. good. Great movie, honestly. Yeah, yeah it is a great yeah. movie. Stars going out. I'm happy with my four. I I, I like my four where it's at. The same here. I think same. it's. It, it didn't. I don't know what would make it a five. I can't figure that out. But it's just, right. I feel very comfortable with a four, with a, a newfound appreciation for for Dennis. <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> uh, it's pronounced Denis. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting at a four. Four is going in, four is going out. Four is all around. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, definitely appreciation so for it. Where is this the time? Like, where are we going now? Where are we? What's the next movie? Who's picking it? What's going I'm on? I'm picking the next movie. Um, and I think you're going to like it. So I've decided to pick the movie Emma. It is by director Pablo Lorraine. And it is another foreign language film. I think it's Spanish. So it's um, not it's not the period piece one of it's not like, it's not E M M A. It's just E M A. Yeah, it's Pablo Lorraine as a director. Written by Guillermo Calderon. Pablo Lorraine uh stars Mariana de Girolamo and Gail Garcia Gar- Gail Garcia Bernal, who you probably recognize. Um, but it looked like super interesting visually. I've only heard people talk about this. I've, uh, seen it around on a few lists and I've been wanting to watch it for a while. And one of the user reviews on IMDb says the editing, cinematography, and camera work are godlike. And so it just got me, it got me interested in the movie. So I know nothing about the story, so it's going to be really interesting if this turns out to be some, something super creepy. I don't know, but. Uh, I think it's going to be a, wow, I'm ex- a good movie to watch. I'm really excited. Sick. It actually gets me hyped. I've never even heard of this movie. No trailer, nothing. I'm just going to go right in. Me too. Awesome. You should watch. The trailers were really good, though. Okay, I'll watch the trailer. Thanks for joining us on 3 The Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and join us next week for another film discussion 
hosted by Jason Solari, William Somero, and Caleb Ford.